This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Hello, hello. Welcome into another episode of At The Turn. Nick and Joe with you. Rom takes the money and runs. The golf ball is being rolled back. And is Tiger on the juice? What an episode we have, Nikki. What would a At The Turn rollback look like? Would it go back to, like, uh, the gimmick or game changer bit, uh, recording from a radio station? I'm just trying think, to think of, like, if we were to roll this back, what that would look like. I think that would be it. I mean, we, we started this where I had to physically go to a terrestrial radio station. You had to call me via phone, and I pushed a bunch <laughs> of buttons, and the audio quality sounded like garbage. And here we are today, just sitting comfortably in our homes with high audio quality, you at least have high video quality on your end. I need a new laptop, clearly. But, yeah, we've come a long a, way, baby. I, I got the sun blaring right in my face. It looks like I'm, I'm lit for like a, a news broadcast. Oh, speaking of news broadcasts, we're going to get to John Rahm's appearance on Fox News in a little bit. First, I want to tell you to please rate and review the podcast. We have our, speaking of gimmicks, still our review gimmick. Leave your best story of survival on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you have the best one, you will get free entry into the At The Turn Survivor Pool in 2024. We have one less person you can pick from this year. It still should be a lot of fun. Nick, before we get into everything, um, I've had a few buddies ask me about my Scotland trip because that is going to be happening next year. Uh, We talked about it probably like a month or two ago, trying to get into St. Andrews, how difficult that could be. Um, looking through different travel agencies. So we did plunk down a 25% deposit, and this is happening. So we're going to be spending, me and my dad and my older brother are going to be spending a week in Scotland. We're going to be playing four rounds of golf, going to the Open for two days, visiting some, I'm sure, ancient uh, whiskey locations, traveling around the country. So it should be a really good time. Uh, I don't really have a ton to say about it other than that. Some of the golf courses and destinations are TBD, but allegedly... Come on, what can you what can you tell us about where you're playing? So, the way that it works is, they say you're going to play X course, Y course, or Z course, or something similar. And there are some... And I think that means... You're going to play the old course or something similar. <laughs> it's, not exactly, it's not exactly anything similar to the old course. I mean, I'm sure there is, but not... Bucket list wise. So the old course, you can do old course trips, as we talked about previously, but it costs you what you think it would, right? So the trip that we're doing, it's going to cost each of us around four grand a person to have our own room for a week to play four really nice golf courses in Scotland, go to the Open for two days and have transportation to and fro. Everything's paid for with the exception of food and a plane ticket, right? You can do the same thing with a centered around St. Andrews as opposed to the other golf courses in Scotland, but that's going to set you back about 14 grand American per person. So you're you're paying over three times as much just to play the old course. And one of the courses we're going to be playing probably is Prestwick, which was the course that the Open Championship started on in like 1873. It's the first site of the Open Championship. If I'm not mistaken, it was at Prestwick for like the first... 25 years and then it then the then they introduced the rotation and then they phased out of the rotation i hope to find out in person i hope to confirm or deny that but yes we're gonna be playing four really nice golf courses and as we've discussed before (laughs) a really average course in scotland is going to be as nice as one of the nicer courses 
in America. That's at least what I'm telling myself. I can't imagine a muni in Scotland is going to be complete trash, right? That's no, it's going to be it's going to be a better experience just because it's going to be a different experience. No matter what the condition of the course is, you're going to be playing on historic golf grounds, which you, you, it's just different in the United States. For sure. What I should have asked Justin Smoot last week was, hey, Smooty, how do, how do I hit the ball low? Because JoJo hits it too high to be playing in Scotland. So hopefully I can figure out how to keep it down a little bit before we get over there. But it should be a blast. We're going to do it in July. Um, certainly do a, a, a full recap and a bunch of 30 second reviews on that. I got, I got one more question. Yeah. Are you going to, I know, I know the old course is not part of your itinerary, but like, do you have a, a day where you're going to like do the parking lot thing and get in line and stay up all night and try to like get out to the old course? Or you're just saying, forget about it. We're going to put all our eggs in the other baskets. We're putting our eggs in the other baskets. I think that the trip that we planned is every day there's something. But, like, even if it's just playing a round of golf, if we tee off at, like, 9 a.m., we're going to have the whole afternoon free. And since it's going to be July, it's going to be light until, like, 10.30 p.m. So you have a lot of time to go kind of do stuff and explore. My, to be honest, my older brother isn't a bi- as big of a golf nut as me and my dad. So he's, he's kind of there to drink whiskey and sort of hang out and kind of experience the countryside. And me and my dad are going to be golf nuts. But we'll be able to experience kind of both things every single day. But I guess where... Troon is in relation to St. Andrews. It's like the opposite direction. It's like two hours away. So I think we're probably going to bag it, um, which is kind of silly being so close to the home of golf and being like, eh, let's skip it. But I think it's just going to work out that way. Unfortunately, there's plenty of other good golf. Awesome. I'm excited for you, man. That's going to be, that's going to be awesome. It should be a pretty incredible experience, but enough about me. Let's talk about what does that do for our, for the corner club open in 2024? Is that a conversation for another day? Oh, all that it does is, I mean, it changes absolutely nothing other than we got to get our asses in the gold flight, okay? Uh, no, I'm, I'm happy to be the defending champ of the silver flight, but I want to get back into gold because I'm tired it's of Romeo Martinick promoted. peacocking around the corner club open at about 2 p.m. on Sunday afternoons. Um, <laughs> the idea of Martinick peacocking is so funny. He's such a nice guy. Um, so let's do the golf ball rollback before we get to Rom taking a half billion dollars to wear a Letterman jacket on Fox News. So, Nikki. You wrote a really nice article where you broke down kind of the five major components about what is happening. So do you want to rip through those and then we can kind of talk about our thoughts? Yeah, for sure. So a lot of the reaction was like, how dare these governing bodies steal my hard-earned distance, um, which I which I get. But I think there's a lot of perspective that's lost out here. Yeah. Um, so I, I did put together five facts that, that you can't argue, even though there's there's a couple in there you can, which which is kind of on purpose. Um, but but let's just kind of put this in perspective. Now, I will, you know, a lot of these did come from like the USGA and RNA announcement, which, of course, they're going to put things in their in their light. But but let's not overreact. Number one, you and I, recreational golfers, do not have to start using a rolled back ball until 2030. Joe, how old are you going to be in 20? I'm going to be 45 in 2030. I'm never going to be 45. This is like forever away. Like, like stop worrying about it. This is a made up year in a sci-fi movie that we're never going to get to. This is like watching Blade Runner in 1982 and being like 2018. That's impossible. How could anyone be alive in 2018? Exactly. People are like, oh my God, the new year is coming. Do I need to like start working out now and and all this stuff? It's like, it's not happening in January. It's not happening (laughs) next January, they're going to start these testing protocols in 2028. I think like professionals will have to adjust in 2028, but there's a grace period, like recreational golfers, which 
literally we can use whatever ball we want at any point ever, but this won't like technically go into effect for recreational rounds of golf until 2030. So let's relax. It's a long time away. It's a long time. A lot could change by now and then. The second thing, 30% of golf balls models that conform to the USJ list today will still conform under the new regulations. So it's not like every ball is going to be so much different. It's like, no, a, a good chunk of the golf ball market already meets these standards. Like there's a decent chance. The way I put it is for the recreational golfer, you go into the woods and find three balls. There's a good chance. One of them is already a rolled back ball. <laughs> is it the noodle? The The noodle's got to be conforming right now. Is it, is it the softballs or is it across the board? I, I, would need to dig deeper on this. My yeah. guess is it's the lower compression balls right. because it has to do with how far the ball goes based on the club speed, right? So the lower compression, it's going to compress more. You're going to, if you, the faster you swing it, it's it's going to not go as far. But those lower compression balls are what are referred to as distance balls because people with slower swing speeds get the most distance from those. So I really, again, like it might be the noodle that already conforms because it's, you know, think of what ball is going to cost Rory McIlroy um, distance, not what ball is going to cost your dad distance. Oh, my dad needs needs all the distance he can get. He's going to quit if he hits it any shorter. Oh, no. <laughs> What's next? So you'll probably lose less than five to seven yards of distance. Now, you will probably lose a little more than that. Um, Rory well, will lose fair. even more than that. I know. Well, so so here's how it works. They're, they're – projecting because it's based on club head speed so the mm. faster you swing it the more distance you'll lose which is which is intentional because they don't want to punish the people who aren't hitting it very far already so here's the 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 stats that they put out which is their projections on what these new standards will do which they, they, they have all the research they have and the they, robots they have real quick they is the usga and the rna right yes okay exactly so for the fastest swinging players on tour this is the 10 fastest ball speeds on tour not like all of the tour guys just the the 10 fastest ball speeds on tour they are projected to lose 13 to 15 yards the average elite the average tour players and elite amateurs so basically like guys on tour guys in the u.s amateur are projected to lose 9 to 11 yards these are players who hit it 295 okay this is now now this is kind of where it comes into you joe territory the, LPGA and LET tour players, which I think is a good barometer for a lot of like single digit handicap male golfers. Their current average driving distance is like 255 to 260. They're projected to lose five to seven yards. Okay. The average recreational male golfer drives at 216 yards, right? So if you think about an LPGA player who hits at 260, losing five yards, if you hit at 216, if you're the average male player, you're going to lose less than five yards. We're looking at three to four yards, maybe. So it's not going to be that big of a difference. Of course, you hit it 260 plus, you probably might lose five or six yards. You know, no big deal. So that's what we're looking at. And that's why they say like they're minimizing the distance that it's impacting the most recreational players while making a difference on the top end of the spectrum. It's a really interesting discussion 
in terms of top players versus most amateurs, because I think that what they were trying to avoid is bifurcation, right? Which is what's going to happen for two years, like from 2028 to 2030, when this gets adopted for pros versus when it gets adopted for everybody else, there is going to be a pro ball and there is going to be in effect, an amateur ball, right? Something that goes a little bit farther than than, than the pros hit it if they're swinging at the same club head speed, which which they're not already. Um, and then it's like, okay, how much impact is this actually going to make on the everyday golfer? And it's like, all right, if, not to sound like an asshole, but if I'm on the higher end of like what an amateur hits a driver in terms of distance, then five yards like yeah that sucks i want to hit it as far as possible i need big club heads where i can miss hit it and still hit it that far uh but it's it, you know it doesn't sound like it's that much of an impact honestly i mean you and, and joe I, I players know. like you should be the most excited about this because really? i i think so because what is bringing five taking five yards off everyone's drives do right like it, it brings everybody back but if you are willing to hit the gym there are all sorts of speed systems the stack system super speed where you can honestly you can gain that five yards back i don't want to say easily but yeah pretty easily like with with minimal effort mm. and a little bit of discipline you can gain more than those five yards back and for all the guys who don't do that you're just lapping them so like really with a, this, and i think that's part of what this is intended to do is reward the skill not just make everybody bomb it like if you want to bomb it you got to do a little extra work Sure, it's more work, but you're going to pass so many more guys by doing that that you get an advantage for that work. You get more out of that work rather than just losing ground if you're not doing it. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I know you have two more to get through, so I'll stop after this point. Someone said it, and I'm going to regurgitate it, and I can't remember who it was, but I think it's the best point that I saw about this. I think regardless if it's good or bad or, or whatever the case may be, I think just society is very accustomed to things progressing as opposed to regressing. And regardless if this helps or hurts, whatever your opinion may be, this is reducing technology. This is rolling things back. This is intentionally obfuscating the future, right? You are, you are purposefully making things worse, even though you can make them better. And I just think human beings aren't accustomed to that. Yeah, that's true. I don't know if I would use the terms worse and better because like worse for who right like is it worse for the guy who wants to play a four-hour round on a five-hour round no i would say it's better for that person is you know is it is it worse for the guy who's willing to you know dedicate 20 minutes a day three or four days a week to gaining speed i would say it's better for that person because they're going to have more of an advantage so i wouldn't say worse or better i would say they're they're taking things from being as advanced as they are and making them less advanced and making you work you know find other ways to get that advantage so you like this um, I, you know, after I kind of came into it pretty neutral, but the more I look at it and like think about what it actually means and how it's going to make people change, I like it. And hmm. a lot of that has to do with my next point. Hey, guess what you can control, Joe? What? What tees what you play? <laughs> if there's a if there's an empty tee box in front of you and you're pissed off about losing distance, guess what you could do? Hey, walk your ass up to that next tee box and play it forward. You know Come what? Come on. You might find that. You're playing about from the same distances, the same shots around the course that you normally were, maybe even a little closer, shooting around the same scores, um, maybe playing a little bit faster. You know, what's the problem with doing that? And most people won't do that. Nobody, nobody has been like, I'm going to tee it forward because nobody wants to take that dent to their pride and their ego. Um, they want to shoot high scores from the farthest back tees they possibly can and then, complain, yeah. when, and then complain that the, the, the ball isn't going far enough Let's when go. there's three sets of tees in front of them where the ball could go just as far as they want it. Um, 
So control what tees you play uh, could speed up pace of play, which I think would be awesome. And even if you don't move up tees, and even if your dad and his buddies don't move up tees, I have to put my faith into the greenskeepers to like, there's space on our tee box. Tee boxes are 10 to 30 yeah. yards long. Bump those up. Hey, they, if they if they set those markers five yards closer, nobody's going to say, oh, I want to play from back here. It, it's so stupid because they don't want the ball to go five yards shorter. But if the tees are five yards closer, they're happy. But they won't move up tees to, to tees that are 10, 10 yards closer. It's just like such an ego game. And if you just take that element out of it and just say, like, what makes the most sense? Play the course a little shorter. Play it a little faster. Shoot the same scores. Hit the same shots. Like, it, it, it doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. When you get above a five handicap, if you weren't actually telling people that you were using a different golf ball, like let's just say that we were using a rolled back golf ball for an entire season. Do you think we'd notice? Do you think we'd actually notice if we were using a golf ball that went five to seven yards shorter on average over the course of a season? I don't think I would notice. I don't think so. And that goes back to the point that a third of the balls out there are already rolled back if you want to say like they already conform to these standards so like no we wouldn't notice because there's a good chance a lot of people already are and that's not to say a third of the balls that are sold meet the standards a third of the models that the usga tests sure. to conform you know so theoretically a third of the balls on the shelf at, at walmart or dicks or whatever already conform so i don't think we would notice definitely not the guy hitting it 216 versus 2 214 they don't notice because they don't hit it consistently enough like I might average 255, but a couple drives are going 190, one or two is going 280, a bunch are going 240. Like, how am I going to know if, if one went five yards shorter than, than it would have? Like, of course we wouldn't notice. Well, that's even kind of my point is like, let's even dial that back to like a gap wedge, right? Like, I would say I hit my gap wedge like 125, okay? But if I'm starting to hit it 120, how much am I really going to notice that? Like, okay, I mean, you're, there's going to be... A... Your, your yeah. gap wedge isn't going to go five yards shorter. So this it's going to go like for... one or two, right? Exactly. Yeah. So yes. I just don't think it's that it's it's that much of a game changer. I just think it's there's a lot of outrage that is out there because the idea of moving things backwards, people just don't like. And that's going to bring me to my final point. This is not the first time, not even the first time this century, the USGA has done this exact same thing. What they're doing from a very technical standpoint is updating the testing protocols to which a ball must conform. They're changing the club head speed. Um, they're changing the club head speed to create a shot that goes 317 yards from 120 miles per hour to 125 miles per hour. So basically there's a couple other conditions, the launch angle, the spin rate, but basically they're saying, if you can swing at 120 right now, you should hit it 317. Now they're saying, all right, you got to swing at 125 to hit it 317. Um, they did this exact same thing in 2004. So, they, they changed the testing standards basically to the same thing they're doing now to, to align with the club head speeds of the fastest players in the world. So they, they did that 20 years ago and they're doing it again now. So it's not like this is unprecedented. It's already happened this century. Somehow, somehow, some way golf survived and I expected to do the same thing again. A lot of people are talking about hoarding golf balls, how they're going to use illegal golf balls. This is, this is the funniest thing in the world to me. Who 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 is buying hundreds of boxes of whatever the brand? Let's 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 not even say it's Pro V1. Let's say it's like a, a really nice Bridgestone golf ball. 
So you're going to buy 100 boxes of Bridgestone golf balls. You're going to hang on to them for eight years and then use them with your buddies. And because you think you hit the club face so precisely every single time, you're going to see the difference just because of the golf ball rather than the golf swing you're making. Yeah, people, I, that that's accurate, but it's accurate that those people are, are inaccurate in their analysis of, of what's going to happen. I mean, it's fine. You're always going to have people freaking out. Anytime there's an announcement like this and a change like this, you just got to get your popcorn and like look at the look at the comments because people yeah. are, are so upset. And it's like, dude, just just play the game in front of you. Like, if you're that upset, tee it forward, play 10 minutes faster and everybody's happy. Yeah, I think the um, discussion from the pros is really interesting because the idea that rolling the golf ball back is going to emphasize areas of the game that are not power, bomb and gouge, all of these sorts of things. I do think that's a misnomer. I think that you can, and I'm not the first person to say this, I'm not splitting the atom here, but you 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 can set up golf courses uh, at 7,000 yards to make them more difficult, put an emphasis on hitting the ball in the fairway, shaping the ball, as opposed to hitting it 350 yards in the rough and then just hitting a flip wedge and trying to make that putt 14 times, and whoever makes that putt is going to win a golf tournament. I do think that this isn't going to have that great of an impact, really, at any level. And I think from that perspective, I think it is much ado about nothing. That could be very naive, but that's just that's just my perspective on it. I I think it's a bad look from a PR perspective, and I think the outcome is going to be minimal in terms of what players are dominating the game. Because I know what they're trying to do, right? It's like the bloated middle class of professional golfer. There's this idea that there is this golfer who lives in like the 100 to 175 range on the PGA Tour, and I'll throw in live for, for whatever – and say that those guys don't have the skill level that they had 30 years ago in the game of golf because golf is too easy. And the rotation of those 100 to 175 guys is constant because you can hit the driver not as well as you had to 30 years ago and still make a life as a professional golfer. I just don't think that's a true statement, Nick. I don't I don't know how you feel about it, but to me, that's like what they're trying to attack. Like they're not penalizing Rory. This is going to help Rory. Yeah, I mean, I... I... I agree. I, I don't think we're, there's going to be any noticeable difference between professional golf then and now. Like I don't either. We're, like if guys want those those yards back, they'll they'll get them another way. Like they'll they'll speed train. They'll they'll like. You think anybody's out there swinging a hundred percent? No, they're swinging at like a controlled speed. Like yeah. if you want if you want more, you're gonna you're gonna work on your speed. You're gonna hit the gym. You're gonna find ways to get it back. All of the golf fitness and performance companies like the clock has started you've got four or five what is it 2020 it's gonna be we're gonna have four years yeah to come out with something that's gonna help people get that speed back it, they'll, they'll find a way it so yeah it's gonna help the people who want it to help them and it's gonna hurt the people who who want to say oh well they took away my, my hard-earned distance like the, you know what are they doing and and the point isn't and the point isn't like okay in 2028 like the pj tour is gonna be better the point is in right. 2075, like we have a game that looks similar to what it looks like today because, you know, whether you buy the argument that like courses are becoming obsolete or, you know, it costs too much money to to maintain them and, and you know, have these 7,500 yard courses and all that. Like the fact is, why make it bigger if you don't have to? I think that's a fair point. 
And we can leave it there for now. I'm sure we'll get much more on this as golf ball manufacturers start to actually look at products, put out products. Um, but again, this isn't going to matter for half a decade at least. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what balls do conform. And if, if they start releasing balls and, and noting in the marketing like this conforms, or they probably don't want to note that because you don't nobody wants to play the rollback ball. But it'd be interesting to see like, you know, just what balls um, do conform and, and, you know, maybe play a few rounds with those and see like, Hey, you know, it's just fine. Do the Pepsi challenge. Yeah. Well, after literally years of speculation, it is official. John Rahm leaves the PGA Tour and is going to live to grow the game and for the betterment of his family. Uh, I think that they put you like in a chair and make you say those words like 10,000 times before they release you out to the media. If you're a member of Live Golf. Rom appeared in a Liv Letterman jacket, speaking with Brett Baer on Fox News yesterday, taking pictures with Greg Norman, did the whole thing. I don't think his dollar amount is made public yet, Nick, but it is speculation that it is $600 million and that they're going to create a whole team for him. And this whole team and, and this whole thing, um, I'll, I'll, I'll give a couple of thoughts real quick. You know, did he pick the right time to go? If you look at the backlash that he had compared to, say, Phil or Henrik Stenson, who lost his Ryder Cup captaincy, or really a lot of the guys that that left. Um, there's almost no backlash from Rom, at least on the higher-ups. Rory was asked about it immediately, and he said that they have to change the rules for Ryder Cup qualification because they need him in 2025. So it's amazing how far we've come in just a couple of years. Patty Harrington posted this on Twitter, this live ROM deal must really be bittersweet for the current live players. It helps the profile of the live tour, but surely some of the current players will feel like they took all the risk, but ultimately undersold themselves at today's market rate. I think that's uh, an excellent point. And I'll say this from Kyle Porter and CBS, Nick, and then I'll stop for a second. Um, Rory, like I said, I said ROM is, has to be at Beth Page in 2025. Kyle Porter made a really interesting point and he looked at the um, press conference following Europe's win in the Ryder Cup. And Rory is viewed as the heart and soul of the PGA Tour, of European golf, and of the Ryder Cup team. After they won, Rory got 11 questions over the first 23 minutes of that press conference before Rahm got his first and Porter speculates, um, Rory seems pretty aware, might even be annoyed by it, that this is happening. And it could lead for Rom to think he needs a different path because him being a big dog on the PGA Tour, no matter what he does, will ever eclipse Rory. Rom has won the U.S. Open and the Masters in the past couple of years. Number one player in the world is toe-to-toe -to -toe with Scotty Scheffler. And yet, Rory is still viewed as the big alpha on the PGA Tour. Nick, what were your thoughts when you heard this? Yeah, I think on uh, Patty Harrington's comments, I don't necessarily completely agree. Yes, those those first wave of guys did take all the risk, and they got much worse blowback. But I think they should be happy because if a move like this didn't happen for Liv, it could be symbolic that like I, I, I don't know about the merger stuff. You know that that being aside, like if they didn't get another big name, like some momentum right now for Liv, like. It's just it could just kind of die and fade out. But I think like they should be happy because this shines in objectively a, a pretty 
good a, a better light on live than than has been shined on it in a long time it gives a lot of momentum for live uh it brings a lot of legitimacy so from one perspective they worked hard for something and now it's 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 growing and it's got momentum so from that perspective yeah they should be happy yeah of course um th- those guys took on all the risk they they probably got a lot more backlash than you know than future guys who go will get but you want if you want the the whole product as, as a whole to succeed and in, in and be embraced i think this has to be a step in the right direction for those guys to me i think it's just further degradation of the professional game not even from the where the money's coming from and who's bad and who's right and who's wrong but speak of bifurcation you now have john rom brooks kepka cam smith dj bryson all these guys over here and then you have scotty and spieth and jt and rory and all these guys over here in the pg tour this is again watering down both products to the point where only four tournaments a year are really going to matter. And maybe that was always the case and we were fooling ourselves, but how important is the players championship going to be without, you know, John Rom? John Rom's the defending masters champion. Um it's it just it just waters down with both products and as someone who really likes watching professional golf, um it it it, it makes it matter a lot less to me as a fan, someone who's watched the game for almost 30 years now. Yeah, definitely. I think the PGA Tour needs Tiger uh, to play in as many events yes. as possible, uh, which I know we'll get to more Tiger stuff soon. Um, but Tiger talked about trying to play one event a month, which which would make sense. And, and that would be a bigger win for the PGA Tour than this loss. If, if Tiger plays in yeah. February, March, April, May, June, and July, um, that's going to be a success for the PGA Tour. I, I mean, it's, it's true it's very true. I mean, I've kind of, it's been a while since I've been really engaged in like just a run of the mill PGA tour event, the travelers, you know, whether, whether that's for, because of live or not, but that's just the way that it goes. And it's, they're going to have to figure something out in terms of like keeping the top guys happy, keeping the, the middle and bottom guys happy. And it seems like it's, it's kind of, entertaining to watch how clumsy golf is because you have so many egos and you've got so many, even like within the guys trying to save the PGA tour, they can't agree on what the best way is. And then you've got these sponsors who are like, what am I paying all this money for? Like we're going to have increased purses, but then sponsors are backing up because they're not getting, you know, it's just like they're, they're so clumsy and trying to get it together. But this theoretically should force somebody to put out a good product that makes sense for the most amount of people. And I'm interested to see how that unfolds. I'm interested in how in in the clumsiness along the way because it's just like, all right, guys, like please somebody figure it out. And I don't trust Jay Monahan or Rory or Patrick Cantlay or whoever it's gonna be. Like nobody's come up with something good or Greg Norman or John Rahm or Phil Mickelson. I mean, it's just like all these guys think they're the center of the universe. So watching them try to get it all figured out um, is, is entertaining, if nothing else. It is, and the response to live has been bad basically across the board from the PGA Tour, the European Tour. All they do is siphon money away from charities to golfers. Like, I don't know how that's the solution to anything. Now, apparently, Pat Cantlay is the biggest voice in the room in the PGA Tour. That's certainly not good. He's a PR disaster. He's got no personality. He's the slowest player in the game and apparently is incredibly selfish. So not that all these guys aren't, but he just seems like one of the worst people you could have as the face of anything other than, you know, being under a Goldman Sachs hat. The one thing that is really um, telling is, you know, you have the world golf rankings. You know, we talked 
with Jeff from his alternative ranking system. If you look at who, let's just say, the five most successful golfers are in the last two years, it's Scotty, it's Brooks, it's Rom, it's Rory, it's Cam Smith. Live now has three of those guys. Scotty and Rory are basically it from the PGA Tour perspective. You definitely have a um, bigger bump for the PGA and kind of that next tier of guys, sort of that Max Homa, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth. But when you're looking at the top, top, Liv is now firmly in front of the PGA Tour. And who knows what's going to happen with the Alliance, when that's going to happen, if that's going to happen. But for now... Both products are really watered down, and it'll just be really fascinating to see what happens at the major championships. It's a President's Cup year in 2024. They didn't allow live in 22 because it was really fresh. I think they would be insane to leave out people like Cam Smith in 2024, especially considering that the Ryder Cup already allowed Brooks Kepka in. So I think those international team competitions are really going to be a barometer. And once again, the official War Golf rankings, there's going to be so much pressure on them because let's say John Rahm has an okay major season where he finishes, you know, a couple top tens but doesn't win one. If we're at this time next year and John Rahm is ranked like 30th in the world, holy shit, man. That's that would be insane. So that's going to become more and more obsolete. Yeah. I mean, I, I, Rahm is exempt for Ever. at least five years from, <laughs> from his because of his Masters win. But yeah, um, yeah it, it's a good point just to see like, all right, guys, are we really are we really trying to keep them out? And again, we've we've mentioned this before, but the majors set their criteria for their tournaments. That's so, right. you know, they can make the OWGR obsolete, you know, at the turn at the you know at any moment if they if they choose to. Um, which I think if the OWGR if the OWGR doesn't adapt or if Live doesn't adapt, then the majors will will basically make the OWGR irrelevant um, because there's only so long you can keep. John Rahm and Brooks and, and, you know, whatever names you want to put out there right. and, you know, tongue in cheek even, but they're going to need these guys in the majors if they want, if the majors want to be what they are. And honestly, like the European tour was somewhat of a competitor to the PGA tour a while back. Right. But now they've kind of merged and they share players and it's not really the same, but that's kind of what this is for live. Like, you know, we didn't always watch the European tour, but we got to see those guys in the majors. I'm not really missing like, I don't really care. I want the Ryder Cup. I want the majors. I want one or two more events a year, and I'm good. Like, I don't need to see every guy every week. Like, I don't really care that there's two tours that have good players. Just one overarching thought, and then we can move on to Tiger definitely being on steroids. Um, 2020, the biggest golf boom we had seen in a long time. It was COVID. No one could do anything else. And it just feels like the bodies in charge since that time have fumbled the bag to an almost incredible degree with rolling back technology, with allowing this faction league leave league league, excuse me, to occur, um, letting Phil Mickelson run rampant. Like so much goodwill was there for existing golfers and a bunch of people that were brought into the game because there was nothing else to do. And I have to imagine these people are really turned off by just all of this negative bullshit that just seems to happen more and more every year. I think it was Shane Bacon who had a really good point. He said the the, the, the most December drama we used to have was Keegan Bradley switching hat sponsors, and now we have all of this to deal with every December. And I think that's a really good point. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, if, the, if the COVID golfers, you know, the, the people in that boom are really too concerned about, you know, 
losing three or four yards or about John Rahm going to live. Maybe they are. Um, I, I definitely see your point. Like they certainly have not capitalized on an opportunity, but um, golf has always been lame. Um, you know, kind of just like generally speaking, you know, when you have players like Patrick Reed flicking tees at Rory McIlroy, you know, and, and that's like your, that's your drama. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's always kind of had this persona of, of being dorky. Like maybe it makes sure. sense that Patrick Cantlay is the face of, of, of kind of like professional golf right now, because that that's fitting. You know what I mean? That's why I kind of, I said, like, I'm enjoying watching golf fumble this around because it's so, because it's just like so predictable. Um, so I wouldn't expect golf to like be cool and capitalize on an opportunity. It's just not, you know, it's just not the tradition of the game. Um, that's why we love it. Right. Pat Cantlay, not the hero we need, the hero we deserve. I don't know exactly. if you I don't know if you caught any of the Hero World Challenge the other week. We'll certainly have the opportunity to watch Tiger and Charlie this weekend at the PNC Championship, but a lot of folks were taken back at Tiger's physique, not only his upper body but also his face, which appeared to be very puffy. A lot of tweets were put out about Tiger Woods having steroid face. I don't know if you saw but Phil Mickelson liked a couple of them on Twitter, which is hilarious. Um this is mostly tongue in cheek. A lot of people just are accusing Tiger of being on steroids. I got to be honest, I don't care if he is or not. I just like having Tiger back. I if it helps him play golf <laughs> tournaments on my TV, take all the steroids you need, take a golf cart if you need it. Like, I don't care if, if you need to start on Friday and just like <laughs> take the course average for, for Thursday to get you through the week. Like do whatever you got to do to get Tiger in more tournaments. I could care less if he's on steroids. Honestly, I, I, I want his health to be in good shape. So like, I don't want him doing anything that's going to harm him, but like really who cares? Like n- nobody, like nobody in the golf media should be upset if, tigers on steroids because they're the only ones who are going to benefit from more tiger playing professional golf tournaments and if he needs steroids to do that then so be it yeah tiger not only back in professional golf a potential scandal with the steroids what could be better okay we are running out of time nick so i am going to quickly get to the mad golfer of the week it's brought to you by piper golf use promo code turn 10 at checkout for incredible savings off incredible golf balls we're going to the ritz carlton golf club in orlando grand lakes the site of this weekend's PGA, P, excuse me, not PGA, PNC Championship, the parent-child situation that we have. Our first, we have two, is from Conrad Schumann. Quote, poor golf course, great facility, but for the price, I was expecting an amazing golf course at Experience. The practice area, pro shop, and staff are great, but on the course, pretty subpar condition standard-wise. The layout is good, not too thrilling, but good. I had a lot of dry or dead areas, just not worth the huge price, according to me. Who else would it be according to, Conrad? Probably why I was able to call on a Sunday at noon and just walk right on. Should I get to Cody? Yeah, get to Cody. I mean, there's no mention of his handicap in there, and I have no idea what he shot. I have no idea if the the beverage cart girl was out to lunch, so let's just move on to Cody. All right, here's the honorable mention from Cody Hayes. Quote, I thought I was at Roach Carlton because there was a cockroach in front of my face. Congrats to Cody Hayes. You are our mad golfer of the week. That's that's so good. The Roach Carlton, man. What, what, a, what a clever guy Cody is. He nailed it. It is now time for Nick Rolls. Brought to you by Matchstick Golf. Use promo code TURN20 at checkout. Well, not every golfer gets a check for $600 million to join Live Golf. Some guys are doing it the the good old-fashioned hard way. Mm. Live Golf had a Q school, Joe, and that Q school, rather than being like thousands of dollars over entry fees over the course of like four weeks, they just hammer it all out at once. Stage one, 18 holes. 
whoever's in, I don't know how many guys are in the top 20 out of, out of those 18 holes advance, almost like a Monday qualifier. Second stage, a new 18 holes with those 20 guys, plus the people who are exempt into stage two scores reset the top 20 advance to stage three, the final stage, a 36 hole one day uh, tournament event, final, final, final <laughs> stage, whatever you want to call it uh, for three live cards. So out of those final 36, three guys will earn spots through qualifying and go into live. No $600 signing bonus needed. I don't know if you saw, but there was a major trade in live golf. Um, Taylor Gooch was traded straight up for Matthew Wolf. It was the number one player in live golf traded for the number 26 player in live golf straight up. And we're supposed to take this thing seriously. Well, Brooks, Brooks Kepka is, is a, is a great team. I'm sure, I'm sure he's the GM behind that one. So uh, props to him. Did you see Brooks trolling all the live golf posts where he just wrote comments uh, on every live golf post for like a month being like, where are we playing? What's the schedule? I have no idea where I'm playing in 2024. He just like replied publicly to all these live golf posts. I love it. And that is Nick rules. Now I am Really looking forward to the off season. I do have uh, a lesson coming up soon, as we've talked about uh, on a recent episode. I did look at the video. I don't know why I had such trouble downloading it. I was I was able to get that thing pretty quickly. But have you have you tried it? Are you using the uh, the, the oh yeah the pivot the drill? Yeah, I've, I've been doing that um, to warm up all my practice sessions. Yeah, it's great. Oh, are you are you? Getting 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 after it in the garage already? Is this? Are we already in the middle of off season oh, yeah. training? It's, it's it's middle of off season training. There there's no off season. We we uh, go from the course to the garage and, and start start the improvement plan. That's that's what we're doing. Now we do only have a couple minutes left, but I do want to ask you before we go. How is the research going on you picking a, a new golf club? Is that is that next week's episode? Are we ready to dive in next week? No, that's probably going to be more of a of a spring. Of is a that spring right? Thing. Early spring? Yeah, it, it's it's not on the it's not on the immediate horizon. Okay, so basically we're yeah. we're really focused on the game. The venue isn't as important as actually the spring the 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 swing that we're making. Yeah, that that decision will be made. You know, February or March. Okay. Well, plenty to look forward to here on at the turn. We really appreciate you tuning in to this episode. Good luck to everybody on whatever golf ball you're using and whatever tour that you're playing on. I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time at The Turn.